Coming up on Mayo Clinic Q&A. I think the routine is really the biggest thing to start focusing on prior to starting back at school. So now's the time, if you're not already in it, to start thinking about what that looks like in terms of um, going to bed on time, waking up at a certain time. Uh, what are we going to be doing for breakfast and lunch and those family dinners? And so starting those conversations now can be really helpful to make sure you start off on a good foot. As kids head back to school, it's not uncommon for both parents and children to have a bit of anxiety. To help that transition to in-class learning, communication with your child is one of the keys to a successful school year. Communication, I think, is so huge, and so just keeping those open lines of communication is so important. Um, there are lots of ways for us to kind of prepare ourselves now for either um, a new classroom, a new school. We can talk about what they're maybe excited about or nervous about. Take advantage of return to school activities where you can meet the teacher, where you can walk around, uh, preparing your child for that first day, and those ways can be really helpful. Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm your host, Dr. Helena Gazelka. It may feel hard to believe, but in some parts of the country, school has already begun. And in the next several weeks, almost all the children will be back in school after the Labor Day holiday. A new school year can be both exciting and scary. So how do you help your kids prepare? What does year three of COVID mean for us returning to school? Joining us to discuss is Dr. Tina Arden. Dr. Arden is a family medicine physician at the Mayo Clinic in Florida. Thanks for being here today, Tina. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I can hardly believe that summer is almost over. It, it feels like here in Minnesota, it might feel differently for you in Florida, but here in Minnesota, it feels like we just started summer and now kids are going back to school. Yes, it's hard to believe, I think, for me as well. This is my first year having all three of my kids in a school setting, so this is a very relevant topic for me as a parent. Wow, that's wonderful. Then let's just jump right in. First off, how about some general thoughts about preparing kids to go back to school? What should parents focus on? I think the routine is really the biggest thing to start focusing on prior to starting back at school. So now's the time, if you're not already in it, to start thinking about what that looks like in terms of um, going to bed on time, waking up at a certain time. Uh, what are we going to be doing for breakfast and lunch and those family dinners? And so starting those conversations now can be really helpful to make sure you start off on a good foot. And how important is that, Tina, that kids have a routine? It's, it's so important, not only for our kids, but actually for our families and for us as adults as well. Um, I really think about routines focusing on sleep too. That's just a huge part of how we can do well in the academic setting, but also really important for our health in general for our kids. That's when our kids grow. That's when brain development can happen. So focusing on a really good sleep schedule and routine for that is just so important for us to be prioritizing as families. I think that's great advice. I think life is a lot less stressful when you follow a routine. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So what about teenagers and sleep? You mentioned sleep. How much sleep do teenagers need? That's a great question. You know, teenagers really do need about eight to 10 hours of sleep. Maybe some need oh, actually wow. more than that, depending on that, that patient um, and their, um, just the way that their body is built. So but at least eight to 10 hours of sleep. And honestly, when I see my teenage patients, I rarely hear that answer that they're getting that much sleep. And it just is such a challenge, I think, with how busy life can be for our adolescents with school and after school activities and sports and things on the weekend and family obligations. And uh, I think it just, again, really is important for us to step back and say, this is a, an important part of our health and development. Let's really make a sleep schedule, a, you know, the priority for our families. Tina, I think this year is particularly exciting as we are um, at year three in our COVID era. 
because the CDC has now relaxed their guidelines a bit. And I think that more kids will be face-to-face -face in school this year than have been in the past couple of years. So a big question for parents might be, how in the world do I know if I keep my kids home for an illness? Yeah, what that's is it? definitely a difficult question. Um, and I think some of those things have not really changed, um, COVID or not. So we think about some general rules that we want um, our families to follow when keeping their kids home from school. We certainly don't want to keep our kids home any more than they have to be. But there are some times that's really important, not only for their own health, but also for the health of the kids around them, um, the school staff, for us to keep our kids home so we're not spreading infectious disease. Uh, fever is always a reason to keep your child home from school that generally indicates there is something more serious going on, or at least that they need to be home recovering. Um, we think about things like vomiting and diarrhea. Those can also be symptoms mm -hmm. of something more infectious as well. That's a good reason to keep your kids home. Look at your child as well. You know, if they just don't feel good, they're not going to perform well at school. So we don't want to send our kids to school that aren't going to be able to participate fully. Um, so just listening to your child's clues too in terms of how they're feeling is really important. I think other symptoms are really difficult. You know, a little bit of a runny nose, maybe a slight cough. You know, allergies tend to be something we struggle with always here in Florida. And so um, keeping your kids home just for allergies isn't really a good reason. But you're looking for other symptoms with that and how the, how the child looks to help determine if they really just need to stay home and rest from school. Tina, I feel like uh, COVID has been very educational for all of us in terms of um, staying home when you're ill for years, you know, you and I are physicians, you keep pushing, you go unless you really need to be home, and then you feel kind of guilty about it. But the COVID pandemic made us realize that we actually may be harming others significantly more by taking that time and staying home uh, than by going. So it's probably a good rule to keep in mind as well. Tell me about vaccinations, uh, COVID vaccinations for kids. Yes. Tina. Who should be vaccinated? Absolutely. So uh, six months and older, everyone can and should get a COVID-19 vaccine. So this was a really exciting update over the summer for um, parents like me who have younger kids who aren't yet able to get vaccinated. So now we can vaccinate almost all of our population against COVID-19. Um, it's a safe vaccine. Um, it's effective. It helps protect not only us, but those around us. Um, so now's a great time to get up to date before you get back to school. And what about flu shots, Tina? Do you recommend those? Absolutely. So, you know, we think about, when, um, you know, with any illness, but particularly for our, our kids, if we want to keep them from missing school from things that we can prevent, then we should take advantage of the tools we have available. So vaccines are one of those great tools that we have um, in helping either prevent disease or helping us not get quite as sick from, from disease. So influenza is a great example of that. Um, it's not 100% effective, very little, few things in life are, but it can be really helpful to make sure that we don't get really sick from flu so that or maybe we're only out for a day or two from school and we can get right back into what we need to do. Um, we're heading into fall already, so you'll probably start hearing about influenza vaccines um, depending on where you live in the country. Uh, my advice is to get a flu vaccine when you can. Don't wait too long because sometimes it's already circulating in our community and we do need to have some time for that vaccine to work so that we're ready to fight that infection. And Tina, I remember hearing during the pandemic when it was uh, healthcare was not quite as accessible that some people and some children were getting behind on their vaccines. So give us a reminder about what other vaccines parents should make sure are up to date. Yeah, I think about um, the, the age of the kids that I'm seeing for my routine physicals this time of year. So we're thinking about starting kindergarten, which is a huge step. Uh, we're often talking about vaccines like the chickenpox or varicella vaccine, um, getting up to date on our measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine or the MMR vaccine. 
Um, for our adolescents, we'll often be discussing vaccines such as the tetanus and pertussis booster, uh, the HPV vaccine, which is a vaccine that can prevent um, human papillomavirus and actually cancers associated with that. So that's a really important vaccine to talk about. Meningitis vaccines are a common conversation for me to have with my adolescent patients and my um, patients who are getting ready to go off to college. That's a really important one to review as well. Tina, we've talked now a lot about physical health and getting kids ready for school. And uh, what about mental health? I know that's a big concern. We all want our kids to be mentally healthy and anxiety can be an issue for kids. Um, how do parents help with that? Yeah, this is a difficult one, but I think that the pandemic allowed us to spend a little bit more time focusing on our mental health and recognizing when we need to address our mental health more. Um, you know, depending on how old or young your child is, sometimes it really is hard to identify. Um, an older child might be able to tell you they're not feeling so great about something, they're worried about something happening at school, or they're worried about getting sick. Um, but our, some of our younger patients can't identify those feelings as well. So it may only manifest as physical symptoms. It might be um, headaches. It could be stomach aches that happen you know, right before test day or right before they start back at school. Um, so being alert to those symptoms can be helpful for parents. And then, uh, you know, whenever you have a question, I think it's just really important to get those kids in for a visit so that we can do a good exam, ask the right questions as well, and hopefully identify those problems earlier rather than later um, so that we can help support that patient as much as possible. I'm thinking that this year, a lot of kids might be moving into a new environment, a new school, uh, a different classroom. Um, that's true every year, but particularly probably now after the pandemic. Are there any tips that you can give parents for helping kids to navigate and feel more comfortable in new environments? Communication, I think, is so huge. And so just keeping those open lines of communication is so important. Um, there are lots of ways for us to kind of prepare ourselves now for either um, a new classroom, a new school, even a new job for some of our, our adults, right? So we can um, look at something online. We can look at pictures of the new school. We can look at pictures of our classroom. We can talk about what they're maybe excited about or nervous about. Um, my eight-year-old started third grade this year, so she was nervous about how serious third grade was going to be. So we just talked about that a little bit. What are, you, what are you thinking about? Is it homework? Is it new friends, old friends? And so just allowing your child to have that conversation with you can alleviate a lot of that stress as well. Um, take advantage of return to school activities where you can meet the teacher and where you can walk around um, preparing your child for that first day, and those ways can be really helpful. Thank you so much for that. What else do you want parents to know about back to school? It's, as you mentioned, we're in year three of a pandemic school year, so it, it continues to evolve. So I think all of us just need to you know, be supportive of one another. Again, keep those lines of communication open. Um, COVID-19 is not gone. It's still with us. We're just we're, we're evolving with it, if that makes sense. Um, you know, following guidelines that may be changing. Now having access to vaccines that are so helpful for us new medications that are so helpful for us. So we just need to continue to be um, uh, open and flexible to those changes. Recognize that some of those things are gonna be helpful for us and exciting for our kids. And some of it may be a challenge. As you mentioned, some of our kids are going back to school face-to-face -face for the first time in a long time or face-to-face -face in a very different physical setting. Um, we wanna recognize that that can feel a little bit nerve wracking for some of our kids. And just again, be, be open to addressing those concerns when they come up. It sounds to me, Tina, like a lot of advice that's good for kids is good for all of us. <laughs> I always say that too. as a family medicine doctor, I always say that a lot of things I tell my younger patients, we can take for our own selves as well, for sure. Thank you for being here today, Tina. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Our thanks to Dr. Tina Arden. 
family medicine physician at Mayo Clinic in Florida for being with us today to talk about back to school. I hope that you learned something. I know that I did. We wish each of you a wonderful day and a successful back to school. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.